Thank you for letting the nation see a new year. Hallelujah. And another new day. Continue, Father, to examine our heart in 2022. Lead us in righteousness and remove anything in us that is not like you. Do not let the nations forget about you and the golden rule. Forgive us for our sin of omission and commission. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for being so kind to us. Oh, yes, God, Jesus. Mm. There's none in the earth like you, Father. Father, do not let us get any backlashes from this prayer in the name of Jesus. Kind Father, in Jesus' name, continue to open our spiritual heart and ears to receive your rhema word on this morning. Cover each of us with your blood, our seed, and family members. And, Father, continue to bless the overseer and his family member of this ministry. Give him direction and Mm -hmm. savor, Lord, with everyone that he needs savor with God. God, you soften their heart, God, in the name of Jesus. And whatever he asks them, Lord, you let in righteousness, Lord, you let them give it to him. Yes. In the mighty Amen. name of Jesus, we pray. Yes, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Um, it is always good to enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. And uh, Sunday morning is a beautiful time for us to start this week. This is not just like a week that we are starting. We're starting another brand new year, 2022. Remember, when you write the checkbook next time, it's not 21. (laughs) 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 It will take like a couple of practices before we we get used to 
We're just thanking the Lord. Well, we know Susan is going to be getting off the line at a certain time. One of the praise reports is that she gets to, to take care of her great man. And I know there will be so joy. You hear her giggling back there. <laughs> that gives her great man. And um, another wonderful thing, my my middle son has a girlfriend, and, and um, they're not married, but she's pregnant, and she got COVID, and we prayed for her, and she just, oh, she was just so uh, appreciative. She said that she knows that as badly as she was feeling on the 29th of, of um, December, that on the 30th, she felt like another person, and she said, I know prayers went up, so I, I'm just going to take it. And, of course, my son, um, uh, Ray, the middle one, he got COVID because uh, he got it from her. And um, whatever day that was, and I can't remember exactly the date, but we prayed for him. And the second day, yesterday was the, the second day. And he sounded like another person. So we know, oh, God is is awesome. He is awesome. He's awesome. So we praise the Lord. We just praise Amen. him for it. And for Amen. good memory, good memory. For some reason, I kept thinking yesterday was Sunday. I don't. I got it mixed up. And last night it hit me, tomorrow is Sunday. You need to go to bed. And before I went to bed, I did write my tithe check, and I did write 2022. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yes. As I can remember in June of a year, I would be writing the previous year. So, <laughs> so we prayed the Lord. And, yeah. and I was thinking about how wonderful. I remember when the year 2000 was getting ready to come in and how people were panicking. Well, what I didn't understand because I guess it was too deep for me. But anyway, no panicking this time, huh? <laughs> Twenty-two years later, praise the Lord, and and we're all feeling good, and that's such a blessing. And Lori was sharing with us about the the um, deer. What a blessing we had. Um, that was year before last, right, Lori? Because it wasn't yeah. last year because we didn't go anywhere, but how the deer could not cross the road when we were all in this van, in, in Lori's van. And, right. and um, I mean, that's a praise report. The Lord kept that deer from coming across to, to injure us because he had other things. The Lord has other things for us to do. Praise the Lord. That's right. Well, I'll stop <laughs> Lori, go ahead. <laughs> No, I, I was just saying that, and that was one of the things when we were leaving out of there because it was just getting to be dusk, and I know that's mm-hmm. when deer start getting a little more active. And I did think mm-hmm. in my head, okay, mm-hmm. if I see a deer, you know, it, it it's going to be okay. I'll just, I was constantly scanning for the deer, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was 55 down in those little roads, and I think I was even going close to 60 because I think we had gotten out of there a little bit later and we still mm-hmm. had like a, a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Like it was going to be a long drive. So yeah. I was like, okay, I haven't seen any deer. Let's, you know, go a little faster. 
and I caught sight of this deer, and I, I like, had, like, a little bit of a panic, like, all right, <laughs> you know, I took my foot off the gas to put on the brake, and I'm like, this is not going to work. There is no, no way I'm going to stop this van before we get to this deer. And I, I swear, before we even got to it, it at least lunged, if not once, twice. And each time it lunged, it, like, stayed right there. It was like something was holding it, like, kind of pushing it back. Mm-hmm. That second time when I saw it, I'm like, that's my go-ahead. That's my green light. Thank you, Lord, for holding him back. And we just flew by. I looked at Miss Sarah. She is always in the passenger seat. I looked at her like, you just see that? Welcome to the club. The look she gave me, I knew exactly that she saw what I saw. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I have never seen that. Three times that thing tried lunging to get across the street. And he was right on the edge of the pavement. Like I said, what kept him, it was... God, oh my God! He was like, "Nope, not yet. Nope, not yet." Damn. Yes, damn. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, you're such a All right, see you all later. Okay, Susan. Those grand, those great grand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know Miss Lisa had a, a praise item. Um, she Can had a prayer last week. Miss Lisa on the line. Hi. Hello. Hello. Lisa. Hello. Keep going. We can oh, no, hear this whoever. is Katina. Okay. Hi. This is Katina. My mom wanted to say something, but I think you're calling for a Lisa. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay. Oh, go ahead. Well, she can go ahead. We, she can wait until after Lisa. I think uh, the, the praise item is like, uh, you know, I don't think uh, she's there on the line. We okay. prayed for her job to be made permanent, and uh, there was a lot of complications. She was still praising God for the complications, but God still gave her the permanence um, to, to her job. Yes, hallelujah. So that was the praise item. Please go ahead, Ms. Katina. For mm-hmm. Okay, um... I'm praising from Katina's job, from from, um, Katina's phone. Um, I was just thanking God that um, for the, um, I can't even remember. Hold on a minute. My, um, oh, I'm just praising God that um, God revealed to me last night um, that I was holding on to things that um that he was he was able to do in twenty twenty one that if mm-hmm. I let those things go and let him be God, that he would yeah. make a change in my life in twenty twenty two so um I'm going to release those things um that um, I've yeah. held on to to twenty twenty one and I'm gonna allow him to be. 2022, that um, I'm going to allow him to be 2022, allow him to change the things, because if I allow him to change the things, then I will see 
a miraculous change that he should have already changed in 2021, that I held on to change to things, and that's why I haven't been protected from COVID. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 continue to lift him up and, uh, you know, Ms. Brenda, you have such a good help at home. Yeah. Both Katina, Daryl, Mr. George, you know, yeah. all like an angel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And from God. Hallelujah. Yeah. The conference has been muted. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Father God, we come before your throne of grace one more time this morning as we start this brand new year. Father God, let your presence go before us, God. God, the Bible says, uh, you know, when Moses was praying, Father, he wanted to have your presence go before him. Unless your presence go with me, I will never go. Father God, is the kind of an attitude that we want to have just like Moses Father God, I pray that you will anoint each and every one of us this morning that we would have that kind of like an attitude and audacity to just like ask for things that only you can give. Father God, the journey that you have in front of us is just much more stronger than what we can think of, much more fruitful than what we can even imagine, Father God, even this morning. As we open up the word, Father God, reveal to us what we need to hear this morning. Father God, speak to us individually, God. Help us, Father God, to just like open our hearts this morning to receive your rhema word. We surrender ourselves into your mighty hands, God. You take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. This week, um, it is just also amazing to just like how the Sunday morning services continue to linger in our hearts and minds through the week. Last week, when we talked about uncluttering um, the, the mind and heart and so on, and we also talked about physically uncluttering um, some of the things that we have in our rooms and garages and so on. So this week... I'm so glad I was able to come into my room and unclutter some of those things that were just like lying there needed to be taken care of. And I just praise God because the word of God never returns in void. And there is a reason why God just like puts these words on Sunday mornings in your heart and my heart so that we can actually make use of those words to push us towards uh, where he wants us to go. So this morning, with that said, I am so excited about a completely new series that we would start for the next eight weeks. We will do on the covenants of the Lord. Uh, there is something about God making a covenant with his people. Can you imagine the God of this universe is making a, a contract covenant with his creation. He doesn't need to do it. But then these covenants have like such uh, a strong motive and nature of God being revealed. And so um, as we go through them, the initial phase of this will be a little bit intellectual in nature, but if you just like a bear with me, it will clearly show how the whole Bible 
is connected, how God has these covenants connected with uh, the promises and how those promises are connected with the everyday happenings of our life. And so to begin with, we will look at some of the basics of covenant. And then we will go into one of those covenants today. And God willing, the next eight weeks, we will go into each of those eight covenants that we see in the Bible. And so what is a covenant? Why covenant? Why should God even make a covenant with his creation, right? And, and in fact, the, the description of the word covenant, uh, it, it says it's a contract. It's a trusted agreement. In fact, there was a, a man of God named Wayne Gruden. He says, a covenant is an unchangeable, divinely imposed legal agreement. It's a legal agreement between God and man that stipulates the conditions of their relationship. Isn't that amazing? Covenant cannot be changed. Covenant is divinely imposed legal agreement that God has with man. And then it also stipulates the condition, the, the, the agreement or disagreement that we actually make with that, co- that covenant actually decides on the things that happen in our life. Covenant also means to cut through. And that's why um, in, in, the, in the Old Testament days, uh, these covenants are like a very highly regarded. We don't use the word covenant these days. We use the word contract. But we will look at, the, you know, what these covenants mean and why God is so stressed over or stressing over these covenants. As I was looking through um, an example or an illustration of uh, what does it mean by a covenant, and there is like a blood covenant, there is a, uh, uh, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk about all of those eight, but here's one of those illustrations that I saw was so beautiful and I think uh, uh, explains quite a bit. In 19, actually, it's 1869, sorry, the New York Herald newspaper sent overseas one of their correspondents, correspondents named Henry Morton Stanley, okay, 1869, there was a man named Stanley, he was asked or given an assignment, a special assignment to go find a Scottish missionary and an explorer named David Livingston. Dr. David Livingston, for some reason, after he landed in Africa, he disappeared for six years um, earlier um, in that expedition, right? All newspapers sent uh, their correspondent, Henry Morton Stanley, right, on a special mm-hmm. assignment to find a Scottish missionary named Dr. David Livingston, right? Because he has disappeared in Africa for six years. And Stanley, the newspaper guy, uh, in fact found him in, in the first two years. But during that journey of like a finding Dr. Livingston, he learned something about the covenant, uh, a blood covenant, 
uh, with the, the, that, that he has never realized the importance of. And I think that is very critical for us to know this morning because we're talking about covenant, not just like a, a human covenant. We are, we are talking about a covenant with God of this universe, right? And, and the thing is that uh, he, these, these two, like when they go to find Dr. Livingston, Stanley had like a crew, an entourage of people that they landed in Africa, right? And when they were walking around or going through the jungle, and, and that, uh, when they encountered a tribe in a, in a jungle in Congo, those men had like a weaponry that can fight much stronger than what these guys had in their hands. And so one of the interpreters said to uh, Mr. Stanley, uh, here's what we can do. We can make an amends with the tribe's leader, right? And um, he said, like, uh, if you can make a covenant become a covenant partner with the tribe leader, then everything belongs to the chief will be yours. And, and, and then uh, he also said, because it sounded really good for Mr. Stanley, but he also said, is if anything else I should know when he asked about it, he said, like, anything that belongs to you is his. So, that, that's what how that's how the covenants are made. Like we are one, we we make this covenant in in marriage with our wife, and what we have is hers, and what she has is ours. So it's kind of like a a, a bond, a contract that is uh, divinely orchestrated, right? But here, what they did is that that they actually had uh, the chief of that tribe comes in. And when he wanted to make an, a, a covenant with the, Mr. Stanley, he cut his wrist and drops of blood from, from each man would be mixed in with the wine. And both men would drink from the cup uh, and, and clasp their hands together in handshake, signifying they are now blood brothers. This is a this covenant was sealed um, uh, by applying gunpowder to the wounds to create a permanent mark on each map. Right? So in the beginning, Stanley didn't like the sound of it, but he wasn't ready to bargain because he needed the help from the tribe leader. Right? So, but there's one more condition that uh, uh, that was there as part of the covenant that. Uh, the, the people who are making covenant, they have to exchange a gift, right? And so, again, Mr. Stanley was just like a, trying to contemplate, what can I give? I have very little. So in the beginning, it didn't actually bother him that he can just like get away with this. But here's what happened. Stanley had a white goat that, that he had um, because... He, he was looking for the goat's milk. That's all he can drink for his daily nourishment. But the chief of the tribe said, give me that goat. Right? And nothing less. And in exchange for it, he was going to give him a seven-foot copper wood spear. Initially, it sounded like a horrible deal for Stanley, but he treasured, because he treasured that goat, 
the milk that comes from the goat. And this guy is asking for me to, uh, you, you know, give that up. So he wasn't ready, but, you know, unwillingly, he gave that over to the chief authority, uh, I mean, the chief. And here's what happened. As they traveled through the jungle, there were so many times that they would face the different tribes that would come along the way to fight against this army of people that are traveling to find Dr. Livingston. But when they see the spear lifted up that the chief had given to this man, all of those tribes, there were close to 50 tribes that he had to cross through in that two years. But every time they lifted, he lifted that spear, all of those people would either give up their fight or they will even get on their knees because it is not just the spear that he was lifting up to show them what he has in his hand, which had an authority. But when they saw the scar in the wrist, they know the moment they touch Stanley, it's not just the Stanley that they're going to touch. They're going to touch the chief that just got an alignment with Stanley. And they never touched him for two years. He went through the jungle. He went through the deepest parts of Africa, and he rescued Dr. Livingston. Why is this important for us? The, the, the name of Jesus and what he did on the cross and what he said that he would do on the cross, he actually said it the night before when he was sitting down talking with his disciples, he made a new covenant. And in fact, the Luke chapter 22, verses 20 says, this cup which is poured out for you is a new covenant in the blood, in my blood. I do not know this morning what work that you're doing, your ministry, your marriage, I don't know what is that you're doing, what is that you were doing in 19, 2019 or 2020 or 2021, whatever that you were doing, if something that you're doing is a, a raising opposition, like a how Stanley was faced with the opposition in those two, two years that he was in the, in the deepest parts of Africa, all we need to do, all we need to tell the enemy that you have a covenant with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that there is a scar that you can point to the enemy. You don't really need to defend what you're doing. You can actually get behind the covenant of God. And we don't need to defend ourselves. We need to show the enemy Jesus' hand. We need to show the enemy the cross. We need to show the enemy the blood that the enemy knows that his dominion will not last beyond what God has already orchestrated in your life and my life. And, and so this morning as we go into this, 
covenant and how God establishes these covenants. We, we don't even need to go into God with a bargain about this covenant. It's all done. It's, it's done with the divine wisdom. And we will look at them. But before we get into the covenants, we need to understand some of the, um, you, you know, the attributes of covenant as well. What are different types of covenant? There are actually two types of covenant that we see. One of them is called a bilateral or a conditional covenant where both parties must agree to do their part. Else, that covenant is nullified. If God, in this case, God and man has to do their part, and if one of them is not doing their part, then the blessing that would come out of the covenant is nullified. Bible says in Psalm 89:34, God is speaking to each and every one of us, saying, I will not break my covenant. God will never break his covenant. If you have made an appointment with God to show up at 5 o'clock in the morning to pray and have fellowship with God, know this for sure, God of this universe, in spite of everything that he has in his hand, he will show up at 5 o'clock. He will wait for you and me because he is a covenant-keeping God. There is nothing that will break his heart to just like a walk away from the covenant. And he wants to make this thing work. And so there is a bilateral or a conditional covenants that are out there. And then there is a unilateral, unconditional covenant that is out there as well, where there's only one party, that is God, making covenant with a human being like a you and me. God will never let you and me live in sin and death. And that's why he has to come up with a covenant to redeem you and me out of the situation that we are in. In fact, when I looked at these um, covenants, out of the eight covenants that we have, only two of them are bilateral or a conditional covenants. Remainder six of those covenants, you and I have to do absolutely nothing, but God will execute exactly according to the plan that he has. Okay, now we saw what is a covenant, which is nothing but a, a contract, a trustable agreement that God has with you and me. Number two, we saw that types of covenant, which is the bilateral versus a unilateral covenant. And number three, how were these covenants executed in those days, in the days um, when these covenants were written or um, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, 7,000 years ago, right now, it's well over 7,000 years ago um, from the time we saw the first covenant was given to the humankind, right? But here's how God would execute a covenant in those days, and he would expect the people executing covenant to do those things. They would cut open an animal into two parts, and both the parties 
will walk through in the middle. This signifies if, if, if any one of them is not keeping their end of their bargain, then their life can be torn into two pieces, just like these, these dead animals that are lying on the floor. This is how, you know, men made their covenant. But you may say, like, how do you know this, Cyril? Where is the precedence? Do you have any reference to this? Let me take you to Genesis chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Genesis chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. Here, this is a chapter where we've, we've actually done this chapter once before when we were looking at the names of the Lord. Right? This is a period in time when Abraham did not have a kid. Uh, Abraham has already made a lot of mistakes, uh, and he has just like uh, gotten himself into trouble by going into Egypt from the Promised Land. He was telling his uh, um, his king that uh, this woman that he's with, uh, he's not his wife; it's a sister, and he's just like uh, made, um, you know, uh, his servant made Hagar pregnant. So he made a lot of like uh, mistakes, and so. At this point, God could have just like said, ah, I'm done with Abraham. He could have said that same thing with any one of you, any one of us, you know. But here's what God is doing. He pulls Abraham and he says, okay, forget everything that has happened. Let's talk now, right? And he, he says in verse 9, God said to Abraham, or at this point his name is Abraham, bring me a three-year-old heifer, three-year-old female goat, three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abraham brought all these to him and cut them down in the middle and laid each opposite to each other. But he did not cut the birds. Now, if we go back to that same chapter, Genesis 15, verses 17, this is the God we serve. And he, he, he does something very beautiful. And the Bible says in verse 17, when the sun had gone down and a deep darkness had come, there appeared a smoking brazier and a flaming torch which passed through, passed between the divided pieces of the animal. Isn't that amazing? God just like, is not just like going to take the covenant that he made with his, his children, his, his people, his creation lightly. And that's the point that I'm trying to make before we can get into these covenants and how God keeps these covenants. So what are these eight major covenants that we are talking about? The first one is called the Edenic Covenant, and that's what we're going to spend a lot of time today. It comes in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Then it moves on to the Adamic Covenant after he makes uh, 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 himself uh, uh, into a ditch by committing a sin. God comes and redeems himself from there. Then a Noahic Covenant that we, we're going to see 
That's the third covenant, Noahic covenant, which comes in Genesis chapter 9. And then the covenant that we talked about, the Abrahamic covenant that's coming up in Genesis chapter 12, it runs through like a 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So we will go through in pieces on the Abrahamic covenant. Then Moses comes and he establishes, um, you know, um, a, a path for him to connect with God. And then God gives him uh, another covenant, which is called a Mosaic covenant, that comes in Exodus chapter 19. And uh, it is also there in 24. Um, then we would look at the Palestinian covenant or the land covenant that we're going to see in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and 30. And then there is a Davidic covenant uh, that comes in First Samuel uh, chapter 7 and First Chronicles chapter 17. And then we will look at this new covenant, which is the eighth one, which actually began, the, the, the talk of the new covenant actually began in Jeremiah chapter 31 and how each of these eight covenants are being fulfilled by Christ. Isn't that amazing that each of these materials, each of these um, uh, illustrations of these covenants have been with us all along when we start to open up these covenants, when we start to read about them, when we start to meditate upon them. My prayer this morning is that God would just like a energize your spirit, energize your soul, give you that, uh, you know, the fresh look of like what God is trying to talk to you and me through these covenants. So, so the first thing that we're going to look at today is the Edenic covenant. It's, it's, a, it's a, a covenant that God made with Adam in the Garden of Eden. And this is the only covenant where sin is not involved at all. The rest of the seven covenants that we're going to see are related to sin and what we do about the sin. This is like a pre-sin period where God has made with a federal head of the human race, Adam. He, and and he, when after God just like a place to such a, a trust on Adam, he does something to him to just like a delight him in the garden, but also in the state of innocence that Adam was. This covenant is such a beautiful, beautiful covenant that, uh, that, that would have just like taken the, the race, the human race, in a completely different direction if only Adam obeyed this covenant. We would not even have a need for the other seven covenants if this one covenant that Adam was trying what God was, do, uh, you know, making with Adam was fulfilled. We need not have, like, uh, many of the things that God had to do. But here, this covenant is a bilateral covenant. This covenant is a conditional covenant. This is one of the two covenants that has a condition attached to it. So, if you have your Bibles, let's go over to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verses 26 to 31. As I'm reading through these verses, I will actually pause there and talk about these verses before we go out of these verses. Genesis chapter 1, 
verses 26 to 31. Therefore, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that moves along the ground. So here's an important point. God is saying, let us make mankind in our image. Sometimes I've heard like uh, people debate about this, thinking, is, is God going to make a man uh, in, a, in an image of his image, but at the same time, it looks like let us here is God just like you know asking the angels or talking to the angels and saying, "Let us make a mankind in our image, in our likeness." Right? It wouldn't have been an angel that God is talking to because the angels are not made in the same image of God. There are three big professions that were there in, in the heavens. One um, was leading the communication, Gabriel, and Michael leading the military, and then Lucifer, you know, leading the culture and fine arts and worship and praises and so on. So even in the midst of all those things, I don't believe God has made angels in the likeness of God. They were not looking like God in any time that we read in the Bible. So who is the us that God is talking about here? It's not like God was counseling with the angels uh, to make a, a mankind in their image, but instead it was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, that he was discussing with himself in this form of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, discussing about making a mankind in their own likeness. Isn't that amazing? The reason why God wanted to make you and me in the likeness of him is because they want to find somebody suitable to enjoy the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They want to find somebody that is suitable on earth that can actually enjoy the presence of the Holy God. And not only that, they wanted to have somebody on earth to have a rule and dominion over everything. As we read this verse, it clearly says he not only wanted to make a man in his own image, but he also wanted to make them to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and the wild animals. This is a purpose that God made for you and me. There's no, uh, no hidden agenda for God. God wants to have a fellowship with you and me. God wants to have his presence, you know, always in your life and my life. And so, the, the next verse, verse 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. First, he's discussing 
about making it. And then he actually made it in the image of God. He created them. Male and female, he created them. Man created something. Man can create something. Like you and me can create something out of something. We can make a, a, a dish out of some of the ingredients that we put. We, we can make some, some of these like a tables and chairs uh, using the wood as a substance that we can use to make. But we need something to make a new item. We, can, we need to have like a, another element to make a new element. But for God, he doesn't need something to make. He can actually make a dust. Uh, uh, he can make a man out of dust. He can make a, 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 a human race, a male and a female, out of absolutely nothing, a thin air. He was making the humans. But that was created in his own image. And he said, verse 28 says, God blessed and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over all the living creatures that moves on the ground. God's purpose for mankind is very simple. We actually complicated the thing. A couple of years ago, we had a, a gala. We had like a fundraising event. And we had like some of the kids come and perform in that event. And before they performed in the event, we asked these children some questions to just lighten their heart so they can actually be comfortable in a crowd uh, setting. And so we asked this girl, uh, an eight-year-old girl, uh, if God gives you three wishes, what would you ask him for? And this girl, eight-year-old girl said, I want to go back to a time where the earth was still uncorrupted. Isn't that amazing? I don't know how far deep that she was thinking about this answer, but she wants to go to a place where the earth was still uncorrupted. Right? And God actually had this whole earth uncorrupted. And all he wanted Adam to do is be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. God wants you and me to enjoy and have dominion over. That's what he said to Adam. Adam, he said, like, you are in charge of this earth. Then, God says in verse 29, he says, I, will, I, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it, they will be yours for food. And all of the beasts of the earth and the birds and all the birds in the sky and the creatures that moves on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. So I'm, the, the, all that is saying is that Adam and Eve were vegetarians. They were still not eating the animals. They were not still killing the animals. They were just like eating off of the fruits and seeds um, that were coming out of those trees, right? 
And, and, and the thing is this, they would have been perfectly fine, but here's what happened. Okay? When God saw everything, it was good, and he orchestrated that uh, the seventh, uh, the, there was an evening, there was a, a morning, and the sixth day, he just like uh, took a rest. And after God created man, he put him in charge, and everything was given to him. He had an eternal purpose for the humankind to rule and enjoy his presence. Um, just like what David says in um, Psalm 8.6, you have made him, the human, to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you put all things under his feet. You made something out of nothing. You're a powerful God. That's what David's saying. And you have passed the control to the hands of this creation. But when we turn over to chapter 2, right, God makes a very important statement. This is where the condition comes into play. And he says to Adam, so the Lord God took the man he had made and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. That's all he's supposed to do. He's just supposed to cultivate and work out of this garden. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, you may freely and conditionally eat the fruit from every tree of the garden, but only from the tree of knowledge, recognition of good and evil, you shall not eat. Otherwise, on the day that you eat from it, you shall most certainly die because of your disobedience. This is a condition, right? Because this is a bilateral covenant. You may enjoy my presence. You may enjoy everything that I have created for you. The only thing that you cannot do is to eat off of this tree. All along, you know, I, I was under the impression that God, you know, when he created this, um, uh, this land, that uh, this uh, uh, sea, um, the, 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 the fruits and the, the birds and everything, he could have easily, easily stopped creating this one particular tree, which is called the tree of knowledge. He could have easily avoided because he could have said, ah, this men, this woman, they are always going to make a mistake. He could have taken it out of the garden. But for some reason, God just like left it in there. Right? And, and the thing is that he is God and he can do whatever he wants with his creation. Right? So we cannot question God on why you created uh, a tree in the middle of that garden. Right? But he let him have everything in the garden, right? But at the same time, God wanted Adam to submit to his authority. He wanted to set a boundary for Adam. It wouldn't have been too hard because there's enough trees, enough plants that God created, enough food for him, right? And he says, when you violate my condition, you will end up dead. So we know what happened, that, that the man just like a rebelled. But I want to go to Genesis chapter 3 because there's something about this that I just learned which is so beautiful, and I'm hoping and praying 
that it will be a helpful tool for you and me as well. I'm going to read from a New King James Version, um, chapter 3 of Genesis. We have seen in chapter 1 that God wanted to make a human in his own image. And in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, he gave a condition to Adam and Eve that they should not eat. But here in chapter 3, these are all like a happening in, in a very chronological order. Right? Um, but there are things that could have happened between two, chapter 2 and 3 and chapter 1 and 2. There's, there's like other conversation. We, we don't have anything recorded. But here, God recorded this in a very chronological order so we can understand the flow. So now in chapter 3, verses 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Very clear instructions. Eve was very articulate, but here's the thing. The enemy here is actually making a conversation with Eve, and Eve is having a conversation with that enemy. What does this say to you and me, like seven, 8,000 years after this was written, is this. There are certain thoughts that the enemy puts in your head, and you and I cannot play with that thought. The enemy tries to speak to us about certain things in your life and my life, uh, which we know is not aligned with the word of God, and we still entertain those thoughts. We still entertain those ideas. We still are just like a feeding off of those thoughts that the enemy puts in our head. And so, the serpent said to the woman, you will naturally die. For God knows that in the day you eat it, eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I'm just going to pause for a second. Number one, you know, I always thought that death was orchestrated by evil or, or Satan. No, death is actually a penalty for 
the rebelliousness that was caused by sin. And Satan, in the form of a snake, has rebelled against God and thrown out of heaven because of his pride. In fact, we see that in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. The devil wanted to be like God, and that's why he and one-third of angels were thrown out of heaven. Right? And so here, that death that, you know, is, is a penalty for sin that the enemy knows he doesn't have any control over death, but he can actually cause the mankind to be rebellious against God. When Adam ate that apple and disobeyed God's instruction, the fall has happened, the sin has happened, the sin required death has happened, but the enemy did not kill Adam, enemy did not kill Eve. He, they could have killed both of these people, but the enemy has no power to kill or send the, the death over the humankind. But the enemy knows that they can cause the humans to rebel against God. And then the enemy would have gone running to God and said, You, God, cannot take away your word. You, God, you made a covenant. You are a God of judgment. You are a God who knows how to give your, your words to execution. Because in, in the book of Revelation, it says he is an accuser of the brethren. Right? He would have gone in front of God of this universe and said, Look, these guys have sinned. You created them in your image, and they have not obeyed you. Let's go destroy them. That's what the enemy would have, would have said to God. But here the penalty of sin is death. That's what the Bible says, right? The penalty for what they did could have lasted in, in a physical death. But that's not what happened here. Because the death in this case is simply a separation from God. Spiritually speaking, it is a separation from God that causes the things in our life not to move any further. If your mission is not moving forward, if your marriage is not working, if your business is broken, if your children's relationship is not there, first thing that we need to see is where is the separation that we have with God? Because that is a death. When you and I have a separation from God, spiritually speaking, we cannot move even an inch forward. Enemy has a control at that point over our life. Because we have given enemy more space than the God of this universe. The second separation that we would have had and what Adam had was a physical death where the body is separated from soul and spirit. Right? God did not allow that to happen that day for Adam. But you and I have an expiration date, and that time our body is going to be separated from our soul and spirit. We'll talk a little bit more about those as we go. The third kind of separation or the death that you and I 
go through is an eternal separation. If we didn't have the forgiveness of sin, then it is an eternal separation. So the death that God is talking about, you know, in this one, it's just a separation from God. Whether it is a spiritual condition, whether it's a physical condition, or whether it's an eternal condition. So the number one truth that we see from this covenant is this. Death is not instituted by devil. It was a penalty for our rebelliousness. And the devil only can instigate the rebelliousness against God in your heart and my heart. And that's all the devil did to the Eve, that, that time when he was talking, the enemy was talking to the Eve. And Paul says it very clearly. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Why? Because we, you and I, are the descendants of Adam, and we inherited this nature from God. That's why even in the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 12, he says, just as through one man's sin entered the world, one man sin entered the world, the, and the death through sin, and thus the death spread to all men because all sinned. It doesn't say, you know, about like, a, you know, how the death was instituted, but it's the separation from God. We need the second Adam to reclaim our position that we lost with the first Adam. And Jesus beautifully does it. Even though that, that Adam has separated us, we could have been easily enjoying today the Garden of Eden. But the, the, the fact that we are not in that state is because we are already have like a, the, the, the whole path has been separated. The whole path has been removed from connecting with God through Adam because of his, you know, rebelliousness. Can you imagine how many times, it's not just the Adam that I'm talking about, it's you and me. How many times we rebel against God and against his presence? This morning, my heart's prayer is that you and I will get to that place of reconciling our relationship with God. If there is any thoughts in your mind that's rebelling against God, don't entertain those thoughts. Any actions that you're doing, if you know that this is going to be not pleasing before God, it has to be instigated by this enemy. A lot of times what happens is this. The enemy knows that this is not correct, but he puts this small little voice in your head and my head saying, ah, it's okay. It's not a big deal to drink a wine. Is it just like a glass of wine? Oh, it's just like, a, you know, the, the slot, that machine that's just like a spinning. It's not a big deal. It's only 25 cents. You would have given it somewhere. Go ahead, put that into a slot and swing that, that, that uh, slot machine. The thing is that 
when the enemy tries to lure you and me, he only says, ah, it's not a big deal to, to say this or, uh, you know, they did this wrong thing to you. You have every right to take a stab at them and get the pound of their flesh. When the enemy puts these kind of thoughts in your head, right, you know because God's speaking to you and saying, no, that's not right, don't do it, don't do it. But then when you start to do some of these things, uh, entertaining those thoughts or entertaining certain movies, entertaining certain conversations, uh, then immediately after you do that one time, take a sip out of that wine, the enemy starts to put so much of guilt over you. He just starts to now have a different language in that conversation. You, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a son of God. I thought you had already, you know, given your life to Christ. Oh, you know, so he starts to put the dirt upon dirt upon dirt upon you because he is an accuser of brethren. This morning, my brothers and sisters, as we are looking through these covenants, the first Edenic covenant, know this for sure. God did not create you and me to rebel against him. He wants us to have a fellowship. When he made you and me in his own likeness, he discussed with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they discussed with each other in making us, you and me, in likeness of him so that we will be suitable for this kind of conversation that we can have with the Father in heaven. And here's what Jesus did. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 2, when he made the new heaven and earth, which is what you and I are going to celebrate and enjoy. In Revelation 22, verses 2, it says, In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit. Not just like a one kind of fruit that can take the good gives the knowledge of good and evil. But it, it has 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. When God creates his new heavens and the new earth, when the, the old earth is gone, when we go to be with the Lord, in the new heavens, this is what Jesus has promised. But he will make sure that he will have another tree, and that tree will be a tree of healing. And, and here's the thing. As we go through these covenants, we're going to find ourselves how the intent of God, the characteristic of God to give us the rule over the earth. And when we read certain of these covenants, we're going to see how God is interested in redeeming us even when we make a mistake. We're going to see how God's going to protect and restrain us from the dangers of this world. How God's going to restore this relationship that we have with God, even if it is like a broken, he's going to restore us to the fullest. He's going to reveal to us his love through these covenants. 
He's going to ask us to return back to the place where we could enjoy his presence one more time. And that's all these covenants are made for. He wanted you and me to be the kings and the priests. He wanted us to know the position that we have with him. And when it comes to every decision on this earth, those decisions can be linked back to a covenant. All we need to do, just like what Mr. Stanley did, have to raise the spear, raise the cross, and show the enemy the scar in the hands of our Savior. This enemy knows that the covenant God has with you and me is a binding agreement. We serve a God who will not break his covenant. And so he tries only to do a, a, a thought here, a thought there, to rebel against the God of this universe. As we chew on these covenants, this week I'm going to ask you to read the Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, and just like a soak for yourself, the real reason why God created mankind, you and me, in his own image, to just have a fellowship. My prayer is that as we open up this new year, 2022, our relationship with God will be renewed, and that we will have a fresh look at what is in God's heart. And remember that every single act that we do, we don't need to take it in our own hands. If someone tries to throw a dirt at you, if something that is happening in your life that's challenging you, you don't need to go and handle that problem by yourself. You can turn that problem around. You can turn that insult around. You can turn the tribulations around. You can turn the challenges around towards the cross where our help comes from. We need to turn around and show the enemy where the scar is and that he will bend down and bow down before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Brother Vince. Thank you, Brother Cyril, for your message as we start this brand new year. Lord, and you give us your word. You created these covenants for us because you love us. We learned this morning what a covenant is. It's a contract, a trusted agreement, an unchangeable legal agreement divinely in the past. And we learned about what two different types of covenants, a bilateral covenant and a unilateral covenant. And a bilateral covenant is a party that, parties that must agree to do their part, both parties. And the unilateral covenant is one party making a covenant. And we learned into this morning about the Edenic covenant in the Garden of Eden. This is the only covenant where sin is not involved in the Garden of Eden. And we learned something new today about when, he, when God said, who is us? We asked the question, who is us? And he had a conversation with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the purpose of this covenant is very simple for man, is to have dominion over all his creation, to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth. 
And then we must condition of this covenant is to submit to his authority. The one covenant not to eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. And when you violate that covenant, when you violate that condition, it, it, it creates death. Death is the penalty because of that rebellion. The death is the penalty of, of sin. An enemy has no, we learned the enemy has no control over death. But the enemy can, no power to kill. Death is the separation of God from God. Death is separation from God. There's the death, physical death, and there's the eternal separation. And death is not instituted by the serpent. Death is the penalty of our rebellion. Death is separation from God. And, and the enemy, the serpent, he tries to convince us through our actions and thoughts and puts little thoughts in our ears. And he instigates us. But remember, he is the ultimate accuser. But we have, we have our answer where Jesus was sent. Jesus is our Redeemer. Amen. 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 In the weeks um, to come, we will look at some of these other covenants that God made with blood. And this whole communion is going to make a lot more sense as we start to go into how blood plays such an important role in the covenant. We saw that uh, in, in some forms when we talked about like how they executed these covenants, um, that, that the blood was involved in the covenant. We'll, we'll go through them. But in this meantime, I just want to as, uh, go into this communion time as we prepare for the communion, as we start to just like to open our hearts before this God, if there is anything that is rebelliousness in your heart or your actions in the past, it is good for us to just like leave it behind as we go into this new year. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as a penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time and our desire is to live for you. My goodness, this prayer is so... Uh, you know, uh, in line with what we meditated. Praise God. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you, God, for your extravagant love and your unmerited favor. Thank you that your death 
gave us life, abundant life, now, and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. Let's go ahead and take the bread. In the same way, he took this cup representing your blood, poured out from a splendid cross. You are a supreme, you are the supreme sacrifice for all of our rebelliousness, past, present, and future. Today, be the member and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. Let's take the drink. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace one more time. This morning, as we start this beautiful year, God, we start with a new covenant that we want to have a new established covenant, Father God, with you this morning. God, we want to take what you have already given to us and renew that in our minds, heart, and soul. God, I just pray that in the days and years to come, that you will, Father God, will show us the real you that we are seeking for, and the real reason why you made us on this earth, the real fellowship that we would have with you, Father God. We're longing for that this morning. God, we send each and every one of us into your mighty hands, Lord. We take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, for your glory. Amen. The conference has been unmuted. Hallelujah. Praise.